You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Almighty and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray for your presence to be with us on this day, Lord. We pray that the words that will be spoken are directed and guided by you, that they may accomplish your heavenly will and be acceptable to you. Lord, please be with us and help us to take forth from us on this day just a precious piece of scripture that helps us and encourages us, that gives us hope. All these things we pray in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. I would like for us all to go for a walk. I don't mean get up and walk out. But I mean to take a spiritual walk. Because if we look at the gospel for today, it clearly begins by saying, and Jesus kept preaching and teaching as he journeyed towards Jerusalem. That phrase in itself needs to be opened and understood we have to realize that the chapters that have preceded this 13th chapter of Luke is Jesus just doing that. Going from town to town, from village to village, teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. He is on a journey, the journey to Jerusalem. The impact and importance for that is just incredible. So when we hear what Jesus is speaking in the gospel on a day like today, we have to remember that the only one who knew the journey he was truly on and why he had to go from the manger in Bethlehem to Jerusalem, he, the Father, and the Holy Spirit were the only ones who knew what that meant. None of us, no one in that entire hearing as he went from village to village, from town to town, knew what God was about to accomplish. We have to take a look and understand that that is an incredible journey. The manger in Bethlehem to Jerusalem. The ecclesiastical headquarters, the worship center of God's people. 
we have to understand that David made a similar journey and the eternal promise was made to David. David journeyed from Bethlehem, his hometown, to Jerusalem when he became king. And because there was mm, some uneasiness between the northern and southern people of God out of the 12 tribes, Jerusalem was the place that was captured. And because it was in neutral territory, it wasn't in the north and it wasn't in the south, David made that the capital of the new state. And as time passed, all of the holy articles, the tent of the meeting and the Ark of the Covenant were brought to Jerusalem. But David was not permitted to build the temple. It would be given to his son. And when his son then dedicates the temple, he prays a prayer that is phenomenal. That all prayer from that point forward would be directed toward Jerusalem and Jerusalem and the temple would be the conduit to God. Jesus is journeying toward Jerusalem. He is journeying to fulfill everything that God had promised to his people. So we have to look at it with the incredible awareness that Jesus is now teaching to people, yet they don't understand the mystery. Well, for that matter, it's 2,000 years later, and we struggle to understand the mystery. But praise God for Scripture, that he gives it to us in this way, so that we can daily be reminded of his promises. So as Jesus is walking around and talking to the people, we're walking with him now. So you can imagine that Jesus is teaching all of these incredible things and the people are hearing them for the first time. There are large groups, but it seems like this one person asked a question. And this one person asked a question, maybe based upon everything they have witnessed so far as they continue to walk with Christ. They see many people coming and going. So the question seems reasonable. Lord, how many people will be saved? A few. Because although there are a great number of people, not all of them are paying attention. Not all of them are embracing the message that Jesus is proclaiming. But the question is, how many will be saved? A few? Jesus doesn't answer the question the way it's asked. He doesn't imply, well, here's the number. Once, once we reach this number, that's it. It's done. No. Jesus responds to the question by saying, this is how to enter the kingdom of God, not how many will enter. And his 
response to that question is how will you enter in? Through a very narrow door. I love the picture on the screen when I walked in. Maybe because it, it was masonry. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I loved that imagery that narrow is this door. It is not something that is can be added to. We have to follow a specific declaration by God in order to enter the kingdom of God. So we have this first three parts of our scripture today. The first three verses deal with that sequence. On his way to Jerusalem, a question is asked and he answers the question, how? Not how many. But now he goes on and as we walk with him and we listen to him speak, the next three verses will tell us how not to be able to get into the kingdom of God. Seek ye first through this narrow door. What we have the tendency today, and as the scripture moves forward, Jesus says, there will come a time when the door will be closed. But we don't get that. We don't understand that. We think there's plenty of time. For some reason, we think the door is propped open. And whenever we're not too busy or not too complacent, and we could probably fit this in, then maybe we can consider how it is to enter through that narrow door. But we labor under the illusion that we have plenty of time. We got plenty of time. We don't get, we'll get there. Jesus warns us. He warns us clearly that when we think we have plenty of time, all of a sudden the need arises and we go to enter and the door is shut. The master rises, Jesus says, and shuts the door. And we no longer have the opportunity to access through that narrow door. So we don't have a lot of time. There is a sense of urgency on our behalf to hear the word of God, to pay attention to it, and to respond according to the way he is calling us to be a part of his kingdom. So now we run into the door that's closed. So what do we do? We start banging on the door. It's what it says in scripture. Jesus goes right to the next piece. The door is closed. The people outside the door who are not permitted to come in start knocking. And what do they proclaim to the Lord who is inside? That they have now been denied access through the narrow door. They begin to remind Jesus all that they've done for him. You know, we ate with you. We drank with you. We were there listening to you speak in the streets in our own community. Surely that counts for something. 
Jesus tells them, leave, I do not know you. There is such an urgency that Christ is putting forth to us today. And then he goes on to speak to us and says, you all need to leave, not you need to leave those of you who follow evil ways. That is a word that most people, I don't believe, fully understand. But there's a simple way for us to understand the word evil. I've said this to you in the sanctuary before. What does evil spell backwards? Live. So when you live a way that is not the way that God has called us to live, that is evil. For some reason we have this incredible imagery in our mind that evil is something way out of control. But when Jesus comes and lives a life that is a model of the godly life, he gives us the example on how to live in putting God first, in trusting Almighty God. So the narrow door has been told to us that it will be shut. We cannot barter our way in because of things we did in the past. And we better be living a life that is acceptable by God, living the right way. And now after Jesus takes us through this as we walk with him he gives us this warning about the things we should not do but as is the way of our God he follows a warning with an encouragement and he tells us now of the things that we do have available to us even though we've been shut out because of these principles and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He holds up for us the great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us because as we are not able to enter through the narrow door because of that disobedience, he allows us to see that in the kingdom is Abraham and Isaac Jacob and the prophets that there is a place for them to sit at table with the Lord so we can learn from their examples because these are people who put a great deal of emphasis upon being faithful and we begin to see the answer and the description of the narrow door. How do we get in? How do we avoid all of these pitfalls? By being faithful. Faithful to what the Lord has called us to be about. I love the imagery that Jesus puts forth in Luke chapter 16. Now, I personally consider Jesus an absolute authority on heaven. 
I believe we all agree on that. If you want to know about heaven, the person you listen to is Jesus. And in Luke 16, Jesus gives a snapshot from heaven. And the story goes this way. There was a rich man dressed in purple and luxurious garments. And every day as he walked, he went past a pool where there was a beggar named Lazarus, whose whole body was filled with sores. And every day, this rich man walked right by him and never ever offered him any help. Jesus goes on to say in that narrative that the rich man dies. So does Lazarus. Not the brother of Martha and Mary, a different Lazarus. And in heaven, the rich man is on the other side of the chasm where there is unquenchable fire. And on the side in the presence of God is Abraham and Lazarus. And the rich man cries out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, please, to quench my thirst. Abraham answers the rich man, that cannot be done. Lazarus suffered when he was on earth, but now he is being rewarded in heaven. And you, you had your glory on earth, and now you are under this punishment and torture. The story goes on, and the point that I wanted to share with you is that the rich man then cries out, to Father Abraham. Father Abraham, can you send Lazarus back from the dead to warn my brothers so they don't end up on this side? And Abraham simply says to the rich man, they have Moses and the prophets. If they would not listen to them, they will not listen to one even if they came back from the dead. This is the faith that Jesus is now pointing to. He is journeying to Jerusalem to accomplish these wonderful things for you and I and for all people. And when we can hear the message of Scripture and the witness of the faithful, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the prophets, and Moses, then we are invited to sit at the king's table and partake of the banquet. The provisions of God will be made available to us. Narrow is the door. We can have all kinds of reasons. We can have all kinds of excuses. We can Choose to ignore that which is good. But it is faith that gets us to be invited to sit at the king's table. The journey from 
Bethlehem's manger to Jerusalem accomplishes all these things for you and I. And this is what Jesus, walking with us today in this biblical narrative, puts forth to us. Be faithful. Be faithful. And you will be invited to partake at the king's table for eternity. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my light.